Welcome to the Level Up Artist Podcast. We're your hosts, Adriana M.A. and Jackie Sanders. We're two art professionals sharing for the advice and business lessons we have learned along our creative journeys. We talk to artists, leaders, and art professionals to demystify the creative process and discover new ways to succeed as a career-minded artist. If you find value in these conversations, please go ahead and subscribe. This will help other creatives like you find our podcast and you'll be notified when we drop a new episode every Tuesday. On today's episode, we are so excited to have an artist from the other side of the world with us, Anna Price. So welcome, Anna. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're looking forward to discussing with you the process of balancing multiple art styles, growing an audience on social media, as well as recording a bonus segment on shifting from a home studio to a public-facing studio for our podcast supporters at levelupartist.com. But You've got real- it all. Real quick, before we dive in, though, for people who have not seen your work before, let me give a little bit more about your wonderful resume. So Anna Price is a Sydney-based interior designer turned artist in 2019. As a mother of four, Anna did her first painting out of the desire to escape from her screen-based work and to obtain affordable artwork for her new home. She paints intuitively, unscripted, and untrained. Her work draws on her creative intelligence to come up with multiple styles of busy abstract expressionist and geometric style artworks that are predominantly large scale and involve huge amounts of bold color. Her inspiration comes from repetition, scale, her surrounding environments, and children's literature. Today, Anna has turned her side hobby into a multifaceted art business. She has a public-facing studio gallery right outside of Sydney, Australia, where she produces and releases original artwork each month, maintains an online custom print store with over 100 art prints, and a growing clothing label, AP Art The Label. Very, very impressive stuff. (laughs) And of course, that's the formal intro, but Anna, how would you describe your work to someone who's never seen it before, especially if they're listening to this while they're in their car? Okay, well, I'm not one to sit still for long and I get bored really quickly and I'm a true creative at heart, so I want to try all the things and so that's what I do. So I've got three main styles of painting. Uh, The first one is uh, like an abstract expressionist style of painting. So, excuse me. So they're usually um, perceived as like jungle scenes or landscapes and things like that, lots of pretty flower shapes, which aren't meant to be flowers, but they appear as flowers. Um, My next style would be like a cubisty style, like very geometric, big, bold colours, very unforgiving to paint. Um, And then I do another style, which is like characters and people. Um, so like painted people with like a little bit of pencil progressor off the top and, um, like blended color backgrounds and things like that. And so, um, my process is I cycle through each different style of painting until I get super sick of it. I'll do one for like two months, maybe one month or two months until I get super tired of it. And then I move on to the next one and rotate. So there might be like nine months between me doing each style. But each time I revisit it, it evolves a little bit. So I guess in that there's also something for everyone. Um, uh, I guess it creates diversity as well. So some people might not be into my abstracty stuff, but they love the Cuba stuff or they love the, the beach people. So, yeah, I guess as a kid, though, I was always illustrating. So I loved the fine detail of um, pencils 
and I would come home from school and I'd draw or I'd wake up in the morning and I'd draw, I'd go to sleep drawing. I'd sit in class as a teenager. I wouldn't listen. I would just be drawing in my diary and drawing pictures of people and um, animals, like anthropomorphistic animals, turning animals into people, just weird stuff. But it was all like very realistic and I hated paint. I never painted <laughs> because I didn't have that control. Um over what I was doing with paint, I guess with a pencil you can really get into the fine detail, but with paint I, I wasn't allowed to do that. So I just never had any interest. But it's funny now because when I paint, I love abstract painting and for things to look not realistic. The less realistic they look, the better it feels for me. And I see my kids doing that. I've got five-year-old twins and the way that they draw is so beautiful and that, you know, these big heads and small bodies and a cat that's bigger than a house and, like, nothing makes sense and that's it's just like a pure expression of what they want to do. So I take my inspiration from their style of drawing now instead of trying to do these perfect pencil drawings. So, yeah, that's a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> No, and that makes a lot of sense. And it's actually very interesting, um, both in like through teaching, you know, when I've taught children um, through summer camps or workshops, etc. Also friends who are artists who also have kids. Mm. There's this thing where it's like a lot of times as kids, like all we do is representational. So you're not alone in this. It's almost like depending on the child, sometimes it's hard for them to think in the abstract because mm. they don't understand that that is another way to express feelings, emotions, and it doesn't have to look like a thing. Um, yeah. But then when they do, it, it's abstracted anyways, like you said, yes. bigger than the house. So I don't know. Exactly. It's, it's that it's that lovely blend. I absolutely love it. Uh, but when they're little, they don't care. They don't care mm -hmm. if it looks they like they're just caring. trying to express it. And then they start caring and they're yeah. working. And comparing. And they, get, and they get, yes, and they're worried and it doesn't look exactly like it. I want it to look like this. I've got two older kids as well. And they like to copy things and like mm -hmm. they get book covers and they copy the book cover and they want it to look like for like, yep. whereas I'd much prefer what the little ones are doing. So, <laughs> but yeah. it's, I think as we went past that stage too, of like, no, we know what we want to achieve and yeah. it's okay if it doesn't look the same, you know, but they're still yes. in the comparison, like, but it oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It but doesn't think, look perfect. I'm like, it not looking perfect makes it perfect. perfect. Anyway. Yeah. But that's what makes it perfect. Is it the imperfection? The imperfection. Like, yeah. Exactly. They'll eventually get there. <laughs> they but, will. They'll um, get there. They'll come full circle. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think it takes yeah. some of us sometimes yeah. to get there. But yes. Yeah. Now, question for Anna. When did you first, you mentioned like as a kid, you know, you were already like illustrating and sketching and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, when did you first become interested in making art, uh, perhaps a little bit more intentionally? Um, it was totally by default. So we had just renovated our house and I thought I could save some money by doing my own painting instead of buying one. Cause I <laughs> realized how much they, they cost. Um, and so I went to the art store and I bought a cheap canvas and some student paint. I did this painting and I'm like, that's eh, okay. Um, but, um, the local preschool was calling out for auction items so we could raise money and we had this fundraiser night and it went as an auction item and it sold for $800. So I was like, oh, cool. Well, that's a vote of confidence, huh? Um, so this was back in 2019 and so I did another one and then a friend wanted to buy it and his friend asked if I could commission one. And at this point I was selling them for like $1,000. 
probably less than what the materials cost because it's that whole imposter syndrome thing. Like you're like, I can't, I'm friends with this guy or this girl, like, and I'm not an artist. So why I can't charge them money for this thing. So um, anyway, I painted more and more and I started an Instagram page and started documenting the process. Um, and then it, didn't grow very much, but just slowly, I guess, growing. And I was just very consistent with posting and then um, COVID happened. And so I was running my own design business at the time and I had quite a few jobs on and every single one of them got pulled. And so if that hadn't happened, I don't know if my art career had happened because this was not part of a plan. But then I was at home with my four little kids and if I had any time to do anything, I, I would paint just to escape from them. (laughs) And to, you know, just to have some kind of creative outlet and do something with my hands, which I was really enjoying. Um, And this was actually, as you know, a really good time to be an emerging artist because everyone was at home spending money and they wanted their Zoom backdrop. So um, (laughs) the perfect combination. Yeah, so things started to go really well there and I just kept up my practice, although I I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. But Uh, Yeah, I just started feeling my way through it and, you know, asking questions and, excuse me, reaching out to people on Instagram, other artists, to ask them for advice on like where to get things and how to do things. So there was a local um, gallery who had come across my page and she said, I'd love to see your work to put it in the gallery. So I brought her a painting and she said, this is good, but you need to get it framed. So she sent me to a place where you get your work framed. It's like an art shop, framing shop. And the lady who ran it, um, Sarah Montgomery, she's also an artist. And she's like, "This, you cannot be going into a gallery with these materials. I, I just didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like, tell me what I need to know. And so she's like, you need to buy more. You need to buy better quality stuff. You need to get your stuff framed. You need UV resistant paint. You need to seal it, blah, blah, blah. So I, ha- it was like learning a whole <clears throat> It was like learning a whole new language. Um, and it was also hard because she, she, the advice she was giving me was you've got to spend money on something that you don't even know is going to sell. So I had to <laughs> I had to back myself. And most artists, when they're beginning, they don't have any money. You're not making money, you're just spending it. So mm-hmm. I had to then start investing in these materials. And once I did that, I found that my art started getting better I became more confident because it started looking better. The paints were thicker. The colours didn't fade once they dried. And then I was able to pay to get them framed. And when I got them framed, they would photograph better. Then I would make better content. When I had better content, um, my followers would grow. So it's like one thing led to another. So yeah. Um, but it all came from like asking questions and reaching out, especially on Instagram. Most people are happy to help. Like I reached out to a lot of people. Some of them never got answered, which is totally fine. I get it because I now get so many questions and I do my best, but I can't answer all of them, especially if they're essays. Um, But I think that most artists are happy to help others starting out because there's absolutely room for everyone. So Absolutely. And I love you sharing all of that because I think you touched on a few points that are so relatable to so many artists, especially in the beginning of their career in terms of maybe stumbling into a creative practice where you make one or two things, find small wins or success through a local community event, through family, friends saying, oh, I want a piece for my house. 
and doing Mm. it for the cost of materials, essentially, because I think that's a hard barrier for a lot of artists to have that transition from or trying to transition from a hobbyist artist to thinking of themselves as a professional Mm. artist or like the confidence to have that label. Because also to your point, a lot of the time, the beginning part of your business is self-funded. It's investing in materials. And then yes, you have a painting as a product, but until it sells, there's not much other money coming in. So that's a big thing. And you also at the beginning, you don't have an audience. So it might be the best painting in the world, but the only people that can see it are your 100 followers. Half of them are your family and your friends who aren't going to be buying your stuff anyway. So it's a real catch 22 and it's such a slow burn. Exactly. um, It's easy to think no one wants it. It's like, no, people want it. Just no one can see it. So exactly. Navigating all of that in the beginning. mm -hmm. And I think especially as to your point, as you describe yourself as a untrained artist, not going to get an official degree in art or being professionally trained, a lot of it from what you were sharing was asking out, putting feelers out of asking questions and just being willing to learn. But I'm curious of if you don't mind sharing a bit more about that process, gaining confidence with your creative style. You mentioned having multiple art styles. There's a huge learning curve from the business standpoint of needing to Mm. photograph your work, investing in new materials. But from your creative style, how did that come about? Did you reach out to other artists for feedback? No. Um, I've never really sought approval for what I was doing. Um, I've always been a creative and I've always had ideas and expressed them. And as soon as I start doing something for someone else, it goes pear-shaped. I cannot do it. I Back in the early days, I filled my books with commissions and most of them went wrong. They didn't end well. And I'm the common denominator in that. And I think it's just because as soon as someone tells me what to do or what to paint, and I gave them so much choice, I said, I can do anything you want. Make that, change that color, do this, do it like the other one. And I'd be like, (laughs) and it just really ruined the process for me. And it doesn't matter if it was for a close family member or a complete stranger, I just couldn't do it. So one day, because I was so miserable doing these commissions, there's the comfort of the commissions because you know that you're going to get paid and you've got Mm -hmm. like, okay, I've got like five months of income. That's awesome. But I hate what I'm doing. So you rock up to work every day and it's so unpleasant. I thought if I can roll the dice, say no to the commissions, that will open up my time so I can then start creating what I want to create. There'll be enough things for people to actually buy. If people don't like it, they can go away. They don't have to buy it. But hopefully if I do that, um, there will be enough stock for people actually to buy each month. And I've never looked back. That was about two years ago and it's been the best thing I've ever done. And I was so nervous. I thought I'd be shooting myself in the foot. I thought like, that's it. My income is going to dry up. No one's going to want it. But of course they wanted it because most of the commission clients were wanting something that I'd already done and they wanted me to recreate a painting. So Mm -hmm. if I could just express like they're liking what I'm doing when I'm like uninhibited. So maybe if I just keep doing that and go with that flow and paint what I want. Um, they'll like it. And going with that flow as well, I guess the confidence, I just back myself. If I'm feeling the energy to do a certain type of painting, I do it. Um, I don't wait for someone to tell me to do it. I don't have to wait until next week because I've got to fill this commission this week. If I want to paint what I want to paint, I rip off the plastic of the canvas and I just go for it and I don't plan it. It just happens organically. And that's when the best stuff comes out. So 
I guess it's just backing yourself, um, being confident, just not giving. I don't know if I can, what do you say, cuss, but give zero fucks about what anyone thinks because you can't. It's just a waste of time. And not everyone's going to like your work, you know. Once you put it out there, you put it out there and people won't like it. You probably won't know about it, but, you know, you've got to be okay with that. I don't like all the paintings that I see. I don't like every song that I hear and that's okay. I don't have to and they don't have to like my work. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with my work. So as soon as you can keep telling yourself that kind of message, it's okay. This is not going to be for everyone, but it is going to be for someone and stuff eventually sells. So sometimes it sells fast, sometimes it sells slow, but if you just back yourself, it'll sell. Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting comment about commissions too, that artists don't necessarily think about. Because to your point, it's seen as that quote unquote, dependable income to where it Mm. may feel like more of a gamble just to make your own work. But I think you touched on something of like, that's the magic that a lot of collectors actually want. And oftentimes it commission processes can turn into this snowball spiral of maybe the other person dictating a lot of the color scheme, the composition, this is the scale I want to where it can take that energy out of the creative process that makes it. the piece so magical to where it's you the energy. It you is, just that end is up exactly being a working, Yeah. You're, you're just a working. You're a puppet. You're a puppet vision. with a paintbrush. Yes. Puppet with a paintbrush. And yes. that's how it felt because that energy was gone. And that energy then is still there, but it turns into negative energy mm-hmm. and that's coming out on the painting and then it will look like shit. And then you'll show it to them and they're like, oh, I'm not liking it. And I'm like, well, neither am I, but this is what you wanted. Right. Um, so You're like, I could have so told you this color would look terrible here. And I yeah. told you it did and you wanted it anyway. Yeah. And so I yeah. think deciding as a business, just to kind of draw that line in the sand, maybe for a specific phase of life saying like, okay, six months, a year, five years, I'm just not doing commissions. It's one of those decisions that makes future decisions easier because then when someone approaches you to be like, actually, I'm not taking commissions right now. However, here are other paintings that are similar to the one that you liked. And they're like, okay, great. I love this. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel though it also creates a bit of um, scarcity and power when you say, I don't do commissions. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's put me, it makes my actual pieces seem more valuable because you could get this or nothing. I'm not doing you a special one off custom because mm-hmm. I can't do it. I would love to be able to do commissions because it's great money, but mm-hmm. they're just way too unenjoyable and life's too short to be working on things you don't like. So, <laughs> Yep. I do it. <laughs> yep. Well, and to play devil's advocate, I do commissions. And <laughs> what I found is I also find myself in that, you know, in that street with no exit, right? Of like, I hate this, et cetera. Yeah. And I just had to kind of change my process quite a bit. So now what mm-hmm. I'll do is, you know, if they're approaching me for a commission. Usually they already like my paintings. So that's not a problem. Yeah. It's more of a, can you make it an X size? And like, this is some of our inspiration. And so I'll it's not too them. prescriptive. It's not prescriptive. I don't allow they give that. you as long as they give you a lot of creative control, but you get stronger. So yeah, when yeah. I got to a next stage of my commissions, I started um, a contract. It would weed out the people that I knew were going to be troublesome. So oh, I was true. quite upfront and say, I, you know, you only get to look at it one time until it's finished. If Same. you're not happy with this 
then you can pay me a hundred dollars an hour until like it was basically if these people knew that they were really prescriptive and they were really strong on what they wanted they were going to back out and never sign that contract so that did help but I still just didn't like what I was doing and you've obviously got to that point as well where you know you can see them coming from a mile away and you get that in your inbox can you paint my family in like paint them as no I don't all the different people. characters and like no yeah yeah I, I don't do paint it. people and I've gotten asked can you paint my dog yeah. can you paint my grandma and yeah. I'm like look at my art I don't paint people like at all <laughs> yes. like no <laughs> but yeah. no I had you're an artist paint. you know how yeah. to use a brush can you right. paint you can me do any like style that? ever anything. it's like asking yeah. a pianist <laughs> if you're like hey can you just play the drums and the saxophone and the guitar <laughs> no. like no, I play the piano. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, no. I could exactly probably because like I can read music, but that's yeah. about the only time. Yeah, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. yeah, no, but I had to do the same thing and kind of do a questionnaire that they have to fill out. And like one of the questions is, what which of my existing paintings, you know, like do you like mm. things like that, just to kind of get a grasp of it. And then yeah. I've learned, uh, I actually learned this from other uh, actually, I heard this from interior designers and from mirrorless, and now I do it in my own painting practice for commissions. I do mock-ups. So I actually make two yeah. designs and I say, which one do you like? You know, and they're digital. They're small, they're digital. So what are you doing, like Procreate or something like that? Um, similar. I use Adobe Fresco yeah. since I have the Adobe yeah. universe and pay out of the behind for it. And therefore um, you've got like a template and they've agreed on it. So the painting has to look exactly. something like yep. this. So the invoice, contract, everything Ooh. shows which one they've chosen. And then what I end up doing or what I did on one of my last ones was, which advice for anybody that's like on the fence about commissions was what I did on the last one was they actually liked both, both of the designs. And they Oof. were like, we prefer this blend. We actually love both. I painted <laughs> both of them. So they were- Did you? Yes, I did. Four feet by four feet. And this is a happy story. They picked the other one. They didn't pick oh. the one that they initially selected. They picked the other design once they saw them in person. And what a fascinating <laughs> experiment. Exactly. Because I'm like, by doing it this way, two things. Number one, they already liked both, right? Number two, they're both the same size format, so they're very large. I already have the big, large brushes out. One one of two things could have happened. Um, actually, one of three things could have happened. If they liked both, well, there you go. That would have been amazing, right? Um, yeah. Or they picked one out of the two. Or if they didn't like either one, they had already put in a deposit, and they could use that towards an existing painting. Is how I do That's it. I don't give refunds. So I was like, Hell no. either way, it's a win-win. So, but exactly, they and then you had a second piece that you could then sell Correct. on your website. You got it. That's and exactly only one palette. You mix. You mix the paint once, right? Use the same yes. brushes. It's yes. all about being Literally, efficient I had both with your time next to each yeah. other as I worked on them. Yeah. So time this is color money. here, this color there. So it was a lot yes. more free. And I think what ended up happening too. So in case you were entertaining the idea that I found interesting is. The one that I was making for them felt a little bit more constrained because I had that pressure of this is the mm-hmm. design they approved. The one they fell in love with was the one I took risk on where I was like, well, yes. it's not the one they picked, but it's what I want to make. So I'm going to do whatever. That, yes. So I did. You just nailed it. What a yes. great case study. This and that incredible. had some magic in it. Yeah. So the yep. one that like I took risk on and the things where I was like, I don't have the pressure because it's not the one 
that I'm contractually yes. obligated to finish yes. is the one they fell in love with and kept finding I'm things. Stop doing this. And they were like, we love this detail. And I was like, good, because that was the risk <laughs> and you loved it. Did you did you tell them that in the end? Though? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. And they were like, well, we love it because you did this, which this one doesn't have. Because they got to see yeah. them side by side when I took it to their home. And we put yeah, it up wow. on the wall and they walked away and came back, put up the other one, walked away, came back. Like it was a great experience. But yeah. I'm with you on this. Two th- another thing that I would add to that. <laughs> you know, for any artist considering commissions yourself as well, was the other thing that I considered with is, is I put a minimum as well. This is the other thing I had to do in terms mm. of how much the commissions are. So someone's like, make me this tiny commission on paper. I'm sorry. No. Oh, uh, you put in a minimum size. You mean yep. like you are not going to, yep. no, hell no. I'm not. That's it what needs I to be worth. Said. I will do a commission it if it's really massive. Times. Yeah, if it's yeah. so big, I will do it. Otherwise, not not happening. Exactly, but that's yep. food for thought. <laughs> like I said, I had to yep. play devil's advocate there for a second because I yes. know commissions can go awry very quickly. You have so to be well, there. Is, yeah. yeah, there are yeah, certain especially. styles that I could do and copy quite easily if I wanted to, like my yeah. cubisty ones or my people ones, even. But the abstract ones are so spur of the moment. It's yeah. like choreographing a dance on the spot and then having someone say, okay, that 10 minute dance you just did do it over again. Like you can't, you cannot recreate it. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It's just not possible. Yeah. So yeah. Magic happens once with that. Yeah. Yep. Nope. And I like to tell my commission clients, if they're asking for an iteration of something that's there, I'm like, I can make cousins, not twins, literally. (laughs) And like, that just helps. They're related, (laughs) but I can't, I can't. No. They can yeah. be related. That that's yeah. about it. But uh, with that, oh, this is such a great conversation. I love it. Oh, uh, so with good. that, I did want to ask you. Um, you know, of course, we're talking painting and all the things. But when did you expand your business by turning your original paintings into art products, prints, clothing? I take it mm-hmm. the sweater you're wearing has your painting on it. My latest um, release. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what motivated well, you it, to pursue that choice? Well, it probably came down to the commission thing as well because everyone wanted this one painting I'd done. So I ended up doing three copies of the same painting and painting it over again. And then this same lady who had told me about all the art materials, like you should consider doing prints. And I'm like, prints, how do I do that? New concept, no idea what any of this meant. So again, I reached out on Instagram and everyone kept coming back to um, this company called Southern Boy. They're down in Victoria. I'm up in New South Wales. So it's the next state or province down from me. So they're far, far away but they do artist services. And if you find some, if you know of someone like this in the States, please let me know because we have to spend a fortune. I can only ship my stuff overseas in a roll because it's too mm. expensive. We're a big island here and we we can't send it offshore in a frame. So anyway, they take care of like everything. They can photograph my work. They print it out on beautiful canvas or on paper, cotton rag paper. They stretch it, they frame it, they ship it. So it took me months and months to set it up on the back end of my website. I built a Shopify store because it's great for e-commerce and figured out all the sizing of my prints and I offered them in all different sizes. That was a big investment of time getting that set up. But once I did that, it was set and forget and it ticks over while I'm sleeping. So it's been the best passive income. When I started my print shop a couple of years ago, I think I offered about 10 prints and I'm now up to 150. So each time I, yeah, it's amazing. So each time I do a 
a small body of work, I select a couple of the paintings, usually the ones that sold the fastest, and I get them scanned. It costs me about a hundred or so dollars to get each one scanned. So I've got this record of a beautiful, like massive um, megabyte file of my artwork, and that can then be used to make really fine quality prints, which are so, so realistic that I see some of them and I just cannot believe that it's not the original. Um, so yeah, it's amazing also for someone else to be doing all the hard work there. So I get the order in and I just have to pass it on and then the guys just just make it happen. So, yeah, the only missing link is being able to ship it overseas in a frame because I know I'm framing over there where you guys are is probably super expensive as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but to help um, any artists that are listening to this, um, the places we found in our area, normally they're imaging companies or they'll have something like imaging in the name. They're the folks that do a lot of times they do banners, signs, things like that. We found one local to us where you can take the paintings and they'll either take photos or scan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have a large Depending on how big it is. scanner. It does cost a lot, just like it does on yeah. your end. But yeah. they can be set up that if we were doing it on our website, it's not 100% automated, but we can set it up that if somebody places an order, you know, they can be notified and they do take care yeah. of printing on canvas. So a full-on dropship situation. Wood. Yeah, they print on all kinds of materials, cotton rag, photo paper, um, wallpaper. Like they they have a lot of different materials, but it's the um, it's a type of sign company. Um, yeah, and right. Found several in our area, and they'll do it. Yeah, um, so we might so be able good. to relay that information over to you if you're looking. They may become your North yes. Carolina, United States based distributor potentially. Yeah. Yes, please. But yeah, yeah, we'll have yeah. to connect after the episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, like getting those high quality prints, both from a documenting your journey standpoint, is huge, and is one thing that we talked to a lot of artists about. Of even pieces in the beginning of your journey, you're going to want to wish that you had documented those before they sold. Because to your point, Mm. if a collector comes and says, I absolutely love this piece, maybe you don't have the original, but you can get a five foot version printed on canvas that obviously isn't as magical as the real thing. It's not the material, but it can get best. pretty close. And for it's you, just, yeah. you've already done the work. So it's, it is that more passive income. It feels like free money, even though obviously you invest into it. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, I think it's just a really good investment to get your work professionally photographed like that. To have those files mm-hmm. could be worth so much. Like what you can produce, maybe it costs $100 to get the photograph or the scan, but how many times I can sell that, resell that as a print just from this one file is really worth investing the money. So yes, I would definitely put that high on my priority list. And also sharing it on your website and in all your marketing materials too, because you have grown a substantial audience on social media and producing that digital content is honestly, a whole other hat that you have to wear Mm -hmm. as art entrepreneur and business owner. So I am curious with sharing your story on social media, how has that impacted your creative workflow or shifted your creative practice by intentionally sharing on there? It's a necessary evil (laughs) and it's brutal and I hate it. I don't hate it, but I hate it because it's always there on your mind. Like sometimes you just want to paint and you're like, oh, I got to get the tripod out and film this. I don't want to film it, but I have to film it. 
Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to constantly make if you want to grow on social, you have to be constantly making good content and filming interesting things, which I find as an artist is it's quite easy to do because we're always doing something that is bright and colorful. You're mixing a paint, you're washing your brushes, you're hanging paintings, you're getting out of your car with an artwork, you're varnishing, whatever you're doing, there's a way to film it and to make it look interesting. So I use um I guess I go into the back of Instagram and there's you can see in your analytics when your followers are most engaged in what you're doing. For me, that's nine o'clock at night. And so it is the last thing I want to do at nine o'clock every night, but Mm -hmm. at least four to five times a week, I put the kids to bed and then I've got whatever time is left to find the content that I made that day and cut it together in a reel and write some copy and then post it. Um, And I don't love doing this, but I just, I've always remained consistent. And sometimes I'll get like 200 followers a day for a couple of months. And then that will like dive down to 10 followers a day or minus followers a day. But the one thing I am throughout all of that, I don't change what I do. I remain consistent on the Mm -hmm. times where it's soaring and the times where it's dipping. I just keep doing the same thing. So I'm trying not to do it. I guess I'm pleasing the algorithm a little bit, but also just the algorithm is always going to change, but I'm not. So I figure if I just stay true and stay consistent with what I'm doing, things should stay good for me. Um, so yeah, how it affects my workflow. Yeah, it can be a little disruptive, but I'm pretty well trained now in making a <clears throat> making a good point of remembering to film the things and photograph the things, just constantly making that content. So there's always going to be something to post. Yeah. And I also love that in yours too. I mean, good point that you just made up. Not all of, like, if anybody takes a quick look at the grid, um, Anna Price underscore art, <laughs> in case you're <laughs> on a computer, near a computer, um, you have a mixture of videos and photos. So it's not like you're trying to chase the algorithm, you know, whatever the new hack is and just do videos. Yeah. You actually have a mixture of them. So that's definitely that's definitely good to see and be like, okay, there's hope for those of us that are yeah. like, I don't know if I want to do video right now. I don't feel like oh, I'm too tired. Sucks. I mean, too. but it's because the algorithm just wants to show you videos, but I prefer, and I think most people do prefer seeing nice still images, but they don't come up in a feed. They won't be yeah. shown to you. So if I I could do a reel and it will get like, you know, a hundred views a minute for the first hour. But then if I do a beautiful still photograph, it just doesn't get seen. It's nowhere. So I don't care because I like looking at my grid and yeah. it's this lovely picture of, of um, the grid is so important though. Like you yes. shouldn't underestimate the grid because that has to look consistent as well. It's your shop window, you know. It is your shop window. Yeah, it's yeah. everything. Yeah, and you, you have yeah. persons of all types of backgrounds and age groups that are looking at your shop window trying to make a decision. And if all they see yes. is video and they hate video, you know, yep. give them Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but look, I've built my business on this. Like, and yeah. that's uh, this brings me to the blue tick thing as well. I don't know if it's been like a polarizing thing for you guys, but I um I built my business on Instagram and I didn't pay a single thing. Um and I've done well because of that. And a couple of years ago, someone said, you've got to, um, if Instagram fell over, you'd be stuffed. And I thought I will be stuffed. That's why I started my subscriber list. But mm-hmm. I don't mind paying for ver- verification 
because I pay for MailChimp, I pay for web hosting, I pay mm-hmm. for my accounting software, I pay for all these things. So if they want me to pay 30 bucks a month or whatever it is for verification, I'm more than happy to do that. And it's not so I can be like, hey, I got a blue tick, I'm famous. It's not <laughs> at all about that. It's about, first of all, building trust with um, your clients because they're probably more likely to buy from you if you are a verified person. And secondly, it's for security, for my security, because it, it you know, I would spend sleepless nights worrying about my my account getting hacked yes. because I don't, don't know what would happen to my business if that happened. And so I think a lot of people have thought that getting verified would, you'll get all these followers and it's going to change your life. And they're like, I haven't got any more followers or traffic and this sucks and I don't know what I'm paying for, but it's it's I think it's about other things so yeah I think yeah there's been a few polarizing views about the whole verification thing but I got on board just so I could sleep at night (laughs) (laughs) hey I mean speaking of being able to sleep at night when it comes to social media are there boundaries they have put in place to help you decide what to share and what you don't want to share on social media um the only thing I don't share is um, my personal life, my family's and my social life. And, you know, because people are there to follow my art journey. They're not there to see what I did at the beach on the weekend with my kids. Like who cares? Like <laughs> that's, and that's no one's business. And also there's a lot of creeps out there. So I don't want people seeing what my kids look like, but no, that's kind of just where I draw the line. I try not to be too opinionated on things. I like to share, um, I don't share how I paint and how I build my paintings, but I like to give some advice, like share some advice on how I am efficient in my business and things that have helped me. Um, So I think there's, yeah, there's enough room out there for everyone. Some people say you share too much and you're giving it all away and da, 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 da. So, but I, I don't know. I, it's advice that I would appreciate. I don't think it's affecting like my IP or anything like that. So um I like to, I like to be, I can sometimes be a bit too generous with my advice or think twice about that after I've posted it. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Am I giving all my secrets away? But, um, but yeah, no, the only thing that I really hold off on is like the family and the the personal details. Yeah. no, Cause it's not about me. It's about my work. So I, yeah, yeah, I don't want it to be the Anna Price show. I want it to be about Anna Price's art. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's one of those things too, cause we've heard this before where someone's like, Am I giving too much away? Am I sharing too much? And at the end of the day, it's like, well, if you're generous about it and you put it out in the world, then it's a way, at least the way we see it, it's a way of giving back because somebody else already did that for you. And that's how you learn. You know, if it worked for University of YouTube, so to speak, or some artists for free, probably didn't even get paid, not even 10 cents, you know, per view kind of situation went ahead and shared their tutorials or a book that we invested in where there was a step-by-step, you know, it's like those things help our journey. And I feel like as long as we're not sharing it to the point where it's a tutorial and this is how you do the background and this is how you do the line. Exactly. This is how you do, as long as we're not showing like a step-by-step and then people can get from it what they want, but most people are just there to watch, you know, just to look or entertainment or 
maybe bring a little bit of joy into their <laughs> into their zombie yep. corporate yep. lives, right? Um, a bit of ASMR. Copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the one person the that's going to copy but... is going to copy anyways, and then they'll move on. Yeah, exactly. And they never get far. The copycats never go far. Yeah. And so... then they, they get over you and then they move on to the next person. Yeah. So to, I to try not to words. get too fired up about that as well. Yeah. To use your um, words, they can get stuffed. <laughs> yeah, get stuffed. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all about sharing what feels right to you, right? Yeah. That's one thing that we talked to a lot of artists about of figuring out where your boundaries are and then like staying true to them. There's no one yeah. recipe fits all for anything in an art business, what to share on social media, how to make art, different styles you have to do. But yes, you can listen to advice and then see how it fits in your art business. Yeah, so exactly. Well, for emerging artists who want to document their journey, um, what advice would you have for them for sharing that journey on social media? I would just be, I would say stay consistent and learn how to take really good photos. <laughs> I think that the problem is like it, people look at your stuff for like two seconds before they have made their opinion about you. And if you have a beautiful looking grid that's consistent and looks nice and appealing to the eye, then they're going to de dive deeper into your page and be more interested in what you're doing. But if your front page or your shop window, as you said, um, is not looking any good, they're going to move on pretty quickly. So invest in some good equipment, um, a tripod or two tripods or whatever it is you need or a ring light something that just, or take photos at the same time of day when the light's good um, and just make sure your edges are straight. You've got, everyone's got an iPhone. You can crop things, you can filter them however you need to and just make things look good because that's that's you selling yourself. It's your shop window and mm -hmm. just being consistent, but also being true to yourself, not posting what you think people want to see because that always shows when you're trying to follow trends or post what you think or th this kind of reel is trending, so I'm going to do one of those reels. It's just, oh, just do you. <laughs> do what you want to do. Express yourself your way. If it feels right, post it. And I've had times where I've been about to post something and it's something in my gut has just felt a little bit wrong about it. I don't know what it is or the message I was giving out and I pulled it out or I posted it and I've deleted it right away because that, that's, I'm going to start thinking about that post for the next two hours and worried about what people are thinking about it. I pull it. So just listen to your gut when you're posting and don't post for posting's sake. That's yeah, <laughs> that, that would be my advice. <laughs> no, that's perfect advice. That's perfect advice. It's like, if you're going to be, um, it's not going to be authentic, then don't even, don't even, exactly. that might be somebody's first experience of you anyway. So why would you want to put something second rate, you know? Exactly. It doesn't have to exactly. be perfect, but if it's too cringy. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, then it's usually not right. If it walks yeah. like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> on that note <laughs> absolutely love that well um Anna one of the questions we like to ask all our guests is how they define success but first we're going to put in a quick word from our sponsors sure this episode is brought to you by our level of artists podcast supporters if you have gotten value out of listening to our podcast please consider becoming a supporter for four dollars a month this podcast is our way of sharing it forward and we get so much value out of these conversations ourselves but producing a podcast isn't free. 
We have personally invested in podcast equipment and video editing software, as well as dedicate our time to produce, edit, and distribute a new episode every week. By becoming a podcast supporter, you will help us keep the podcast running smoothly and get access to amazing off-the-record conversations with seasoned artists, authors, art collectors, gallery and museum professionals, as well as industry leaders. These conversations offer even more valuable advice for artists at various stages of their career. You also get access to our artist community platform and our gratitude for keeping the podcast going. Head on over to levelupartisthub.com to sign up and become a podcast supporter today. Welcome back, everybody. So, Anna, how do you define success as an artist? Success for me is being able to sell my work on my own and keep 100% of the profits. So it's not always an easy thing to do. I think when you're starting up, I always felt like I had to be represented by someone else to be like legitimized, I guess. And um, it hit me like a few years ago. I had a lot of stockists and gallerists down in Victoria and I would send work to them and sometimes it would sell, but often it would sit there for a few months and I would say, okay, it hasn't sold. Let's ship it back up to me and I'll see if I can sell it. And as soon as I got it back, as soon as I posted it, it would sell right away. And it made me realize that nobody can work as hard for me as I can work for me. No one can sell me as well as I can sell me. They've got a shop or a gallery, but it's not all about me. They're selling my work. They're also selling the next person's work and the next homeware and whatever. So I'm just one product in a store of many. But when I'm representing myself, that's that's all I'm doing. And I'm selling myself and I know my product product better than anyone else does. So my new business model now is um, I've built, I've used Instagram to collect subscribers because the person who said, if your Instagram falls over, you're stuffed. They mm-hmm. also said, you need to build your subscriber list in case that ever happens, because that's where your all the cream of your followers is. So I have a a nice subscriber list now and it's probably 2% of my overall followers, but these are the people who are actually interested in buying my work. And so I use social media to tell them about my subscribers, about my subscription list. And it's not a um, newsletter that says, hey, everyone, guess what I'm doing this week? Because I hate newsletters. They fill my inbox. I don't read them. I delete them. It is an email that goes out once a month with listings of my original artworks that my subscribers can see first. So it kind of creates a bit of exclusivity there and allows me to sell things on my own, list them on my own, photograph them on my own, and then deal it when they do sell, I can ship them here, ship them everywhere. I'm not relying on anyone else but myself. And I'm also taking 100% of the profit. So that's, I love this new model because it works for me. I'm still selling all my stuff and I'm not beholden to anyone or anything else. It's all on my own terms, in my own time. So um, I don't know. I've I've worried about not being in big galleries and play, being seen in other places or feeling sometimes like, oh, maybe I'm not worth anything because I've never been asked to be in one of the major galleries. But who cares at the end of the day? Because I'm selling, I'm selling work and that's all I want to do. I want to support my family and I want to paint what I want to paint when I want to paint it. And so for me, I'm feeling like, that's my little um, area of success and that's that's my happy zone and that's as much as I can handle without having pressure from anyone else or anyone else in my life. So, yeah, that's a, a long-winded answer to your, um, to your question. 
Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love that because it's also embracing those skills that we've talked in other episodes. Oftentimes artists seek gallery representation. Yes. For the like grandeur of it or the perceived success. The validation. The, the validation. The validation. You, you need. Right. And it also, they do provide services from a marketing perspective, from a marketing, like your work. But if you are an artist that prefers doing that on your own, prefers telling your own story and can thrive in that as a business, I mean, owning your own assets to kind of get high level, like that's always more valuable than something of leaning on others. So I love that. Yeah. So now what is one piece of advice you wish you had heard before you got started on your creative journey? Um, it's a piece of advice that I now give to people and it's just grow slow. Like it doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people think I'm going to start this art business and I'm going to like bolt out of the gates and shoot the lights out. And it doesn't like, as we discussed earlier, like in the beginning, no one can see you takes time to grow that audience and to grow your style and to figure out what you're doing. And it takes a long time to sell stuff in the beginning. And commissions are often the way forward because it's a guaranteed income flow, but it all just takes time. So not to rush things. And I still need to take this advice myself. Like I did a release recently of um, of beach people and I sold all but one. The one I didn't sell, it was massive. It was like a two and a half by one and a half meter. Like how? what would I say in... I don't even know what that is in feet. I'm sorry, but it's big, like a huge, you would need a huge wall. And so those, obviously those artworks are much harder to sell because they're very big, they're way more expensive and you need a really big wall. And so it didn't sell within a day or two. So I got the scissors out (laughs) and I cut it into like four, three or four different paintings, which then I edited and I finally sold all of them, but was this a stupid thing to do? I should have just left it on my website because three weeks later, this chick from the US emails me and says, hey, a few weeks ago, you posted this painting. I loved it, but I can't find it on your website anywhere and I want to buy it. I'm like, oh, Ooh. it still exists. It's just been like Edward Scissorhanded. Like it's <laughs> gone. It's... I, I didn't tell her what I did to it, but um, <laughs> it's in a few different pieces. It's it's scattered. I've done, it's scattered. I've done enough. I've done a number on it. So um back to my original point, just like be patient. Like things take time to sell. And I think it's like gambling. Once you people with gambling problems, if they hit the jackpot, then they think they're gonna keep doing it, so they keep throwing money into it. Like if you have a good week of selling paintings really quickly and one doesn't sell, it's like I've got to sell them right away, right now. It's gotta happen, it's gotta happen. There's something wrong, they're not selling. It's like, no, just chill. Yeah. Just back the truck up, take a chill pill, calm the farm. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Just let it sit for a while and the right person will come along at the right time. So, yes, Uh grow slow. Yeah. Be patient. Back yourself. Um, Just do you. Do what you want to do and follow your energy. I'm not a very spiritual person, but I'm a strong believer in following your energy. So if you get to work one day and the thought of painting is not what you want to do. You couldn't leave anything worse. Sit down, do your admin or design a new painting on the screen or clean your studio or clean your toilet or do just put your energy where it wants to go because you'll have those moments when you want to paint 
you'll mm-hmm. like wake up at seven in the morning or it'll be 10 o'clock at night and the ID light bulb comes, your energy is just going to flow into that like crazy. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to do something, don't do it. Or if you don't want to do that admin, just do the painting. If you're itching to do a painting when you're meant to be doing something else, just do the painting. Mm-hmm. Follow the energy, follow the good energy. If you can. It'll lead you to good places. If you can. Yeah. <laughs> if it's 2 a.m. and the studio's 30 minutes reason. away. Maybe this wait till is the morning. true. Yes. Well, write it, get a notepad and write down your yes. idea of the dream you just had because or an iPad in the morning. And do yes. a sketch, do a quick digital yes. sketch and then go back to sleep. But yes. um I did want to research <laughs> uh my my meters to feet conversion is not built into my brain. So I looked it oh. up real quick for context. Um it's about eight feet. Um so but- a twenty foot twenty foot is six meters, I believe. Yeah. Meters, yeah. So two and a half meters so, yeah, is eight point two feet. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty feet. big painting. I mean, that's yeah. almost yeah, it's yeah, that, a that's baby mural size. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Not a lot that's of people have space mural. for something like that in their house. I mean, some people no. see aren't even that tall. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how much I could have sold that to for as Ooh. well? Like, yeah. So don't chop your paintings. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm a doer I'm not a thinker yeah hey that's okay too um also like the the fact of the matter is like that is a big size and that's also going to come with an investment and might take that collector a couple more extra things you know thinking about a couple nights sitting on it before they're ready to pull exactly Yes, exactly. to decide on it. But yeah, no, I've had work that sold like three years later and somebody was like, oh my gosh, I yeah. love that. And I'm like, but it's old, you know, but yeah, honestly, like, it doesn't matter. But people don't know it's old. They've they just don't. discovered you. They don't know it's been sitting there for three years. No, they don't. And they don't care. Actually, I found no. they don't care. This is, this is why I don't make my paintings anymore. Yeah. Plus I yes. end up painting most of them anyways. After a few years, if I'm like, it's, it doesn't paint over them, then I paint over yeah. them. Um, oh, I do that too. I just do it too too soon, way too soon. No, I give them at least <laughs> yeah. a year. Actually, I've, I've tried. That's those. good. Yeah, I give them a year. I look to see when's the last time, so I keep a a, a pretty meticulous record. Whenever I finish a painting, oh, it wow. goes into my database. Super nerdy. More stuff I offline for that. that. But um, <laughs> actually, we have an episode on art inventory. Anybody that's listening. To oh me. yes. But I literally, like, I'll finish that. it, and it has the title. So for purposes of submissions to an exhibition and things like that, I do know yeah. exactly when it was finished. But sometimes I'll Whoa. look and say it's two years old, and it no longer resonates with my body of work or my style or things like that. Yeah. Then You've I'll make evolved. a decision. Either I put it in a studio sale, which I only do that like once a year if I'm trying to yeah. clear out some space, or I just literally exit out. And just yep. put another painting on top. But yeah, that exactly. way in my record, I can mark, I repainted it, remixed it, reiterated, whatever I want to write with it, reimagined, usually I'll write. And um, I'm just writing that on the title in the back too. I'll put remixed or something yeah. like that. Um, so that I'll know. So that later on, because I've had it yeah. happen, then I had somebody ask for a specific painting and I couldn't find it. And then and I went like, to where is it? it? And ah, I painted yeah. it over and it was like two years later and they were like, I've oh, been wow. wanting this painting. I've been looking at it for years. Like I keep scrolling to your Instagram, this painting, I'm finally ready to buy it. And I'm like, I just like painted it over like three months ago. It doesn't exist. It anymore. still exists. It still exists. It's just under some stuff that you can't yeah, get Yeah, but the off problem the is the new painting sold. <laughs> so they couldn't even yeah, buy it. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that's it. 
that's the, yeah. See, that's, that's why I haven't cool. yet gotten to the point where I've painted over pieces because I've had several situations like that happen to where it's like six months, eight months, a year after I created it. And then I put it on one social media post that to your and point, Anna, it was like, I need to post, like, I want to post something, but I'm not feeling like a photo shoot moment in my studio. Let me put this like older picture that I took. And someone's like, yeah. oh my goodness, I love this piece. I need it. Well, perfect. It's already done. Done. <laughs> yeah. So but the thing is, if it's what... hiding in your back storage room, no one can see it. You know it's there. Yeah. But you're like, this one won't sell. It's like, yeah, because you haven't listed it. They don't yeah, know right. it's there. Yep. If you keep putting something on your feed or your stories and people see it over and over again, they're more likely to buy it. But we forget so because true. it's hard. I mean, I spend probably 30, 40% of my time painting and the rest of it is making content, doing admin and running the business. Like it's, That's I think good. a lot of people think we as artists are just um, painting all day. Then we go home and have dinner yeah. and we come back and we just paint. It's like yeah. running a business. It is hard work and yeah. it is very much not painting. It's a very little amount of that is actually doing the fun stuff of the painting. So I know, I yeah. know. If yeah. only, if only. But it's but... all rain rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But honestly, sometimes that admin work can I found also like reinforce the creative practice sometimes, like writing about your work, sharing about it on social media. Like, okay, what parts of this painting do I want to highlight to my collectors? It also then mm. reinforces, okay, what parts are you drawn towards? What are the stories behind the pieces? And so sometimes yeah. it can feel like, oh, I just want to paint, but I have to do admin work too. But mm. oftentimes shifting that can feel helpful in terms of, okay, this is my time to really solidify the narrative behind my work or gifting yourself the time to reflect on how is this series coming together? What do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to go towards? Um, so it, it is really gifting time though, isn't it? When you make time to stop and reflect, which is something mm -hmm. I don't do enough of, or if mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Your, your work is cohesive. You definitely are doing the thinky time at oh, some point. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm just like a bullet a gate. I just go and I often stop. I forget to stop and just sit back and look at what I'm doing. And I never plan as well. I want to spend more time planning what I do because it would probably save me a lot of time in the future if I actually put more thought into what I was doing next so mm. we'll see how that goes work in progress uh, did, yeah 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 absolutely now if somebody were to randomly hand you a hundred Australian dollars uh what mm -hmm. would you splurge on or invest in it has to be something that brings you joy and relates to your art or business okay well recently so I designed this wall <laughs> I would buy a wall. Um, I made this wall. It's like two meter. Okay, what we got the measurements for a two meter by two meters. Yeah, this is two called eight foot. Eight foot by than... eight foot, like a big plywood square, double sided. It's like two feet wide, maybe one and a half feet wide. It's got shelves in the side, and it's got caster wheels on it. And oh. I wheeled this thing around my studio. And I can put it up against the door at night when I leave, and it's got lights on the top. And if I need to take photos in certain light I move it this way or if I want to split my studio in half it splits the studio in half and it's been the greatest thing um it's the whole thing is like a mobile art studio in itself so it can change my space from a square to a rectangle so it's like I don't know it is if I'm going to build another one for my next studio and if I had a hundred dollars I would be buying or investing in another art wall okay. designed by me 
<laughs> I love that. So it's functional for yeah. your creative practice, but also great for making digital content. So kind oh, of yeah. all the boxes. Exactly. Very it sure unique does. idea. I love that. Yeah. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It has been so much fun talking to you. Real quick before we go, um, how can our listeners stay connected with you after they listen to today's episode? Uh, you could drop into my DMs, Anna Price underscore art or head to my website which is annapriceart.com and head to the contacts page and you can fill out a form there and send me an email excellent well we'll make sure to link all those things in the show notes um and anna we would love to have you stay with us a few extra minutes uh so we may discuss shifting from a home studio to a public facing studio on a bonus segment for podcast supporters if you have a few extra minutes sure do I'll be here. Awesome. Well, in the meantime, uh, for our listeners, if you want to stay connected with us in between episodes, share feedback, or have a question you would like for us to answer on the podcast, you can reach us through social media. I'm at May Art across all platforms. And I'm at J Sanders Studio on all platforms. And if you want to follow the podcast, we are at Level Up Artists on Instagram. You can also visit levelupartisthub.com to hear the rest of this conversation and become one of our podcast supporters. This will also give you access to amazing off-the-record conversations with other guests, uh, the artist community platform, and you'll help keep the podcast going. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.